today on It's Time. Never forget God's faithfulness to you through your life. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going verse by verse through the book of 1 John. So turn there in your Bible and join Pastor Mike. you have your Bible this morning, I'd like to invite you to turn with me to them to chapter 5 of 1 John. 1 John chapter 5. Back by Revelation, not the book of John, but the epistles of John. As we look at this, so important in the Bible. Let's pray. Father, as we go to your word this morning, we ask you that you would give us that wisdom that comes only from you. And Lord, that your Holy Spirit would now communicate to us and that your love, God, would permeate not only this place, but everywhere that this message is preached. May your Holy Spirit touch, uplift, bless, and heal. In Jesus' name, amen. We've been going through the book of John. And John, one of the things that he says back in 1 John chapter 1 If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is the basis of Christianity. That's who we are in him. If we'll confess our sins, he'll forgive us. That's what the rest of the book of John is about. So understanding that, when we read now, we find as we fill in this and as we complete the book of 1 John, this is what he says. Now, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God and everyone who loves him, who begot also loves him, who was begotten of him. So as you have been loved by God, you in turn will love others as well. Why? Because it's not your love, it's God's love in you that energizes you to be about your father's business. I don't think there's anything worse than trying to love without supernatural love, because eventually you're going to run out of love. This is one of the problems in relationships. This is one of the problems with parental love towards the children, children towards the parents. You need a supernatural source for love that goes beyond your ability. Because we can love those who are lovely, but when they become stinkies, that makes it a little harder for us to love them. Well, this is what he's talking about. We have been loved by God, and because God's love is in us, we can love others. And by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. Now, notice it says his commandments. It doesn't say the Ten Commandments, and there's a big difference. There's a lot of Judaizers that are still around today. They were around in the early church, and they're still around today trying to get people, Christians, to come back under the Mosaic Law, the Ten Commandments and the commandments thereof. 
Now, here's what we have to remember. We as Christians do have guidelines that we live by. We do. That's what commandments are. They basically say, you can go this far, don't go beyond that. You can do this, don't do that. Now, what does it say here? It says if we keep his commandments. Speaking of Jesus Christ's commandments. Notice this in verse 3. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And here it is. His commandments are not burdensome. What does that mean? They're not a heavyweight. They're not something that weights you down. Really, God's commandments are what frees you up. Now, how is that? Well, they came to Jesus and they said, Hey, Jesus, what's the most important commandment? And Jesus said, Love God with your whole heart, mind, soul, and spirit. And he said, The second is likened to it, Love your neighbor as yourself. So he gave them two commandments. Love God, love your fellow man. And then Jesus said something that knocks the wheels out from underneath all the Judaizers. He said, upon these two hang all the law and the prophets. Everything that the Old Testament was about was fulfilled in two commandments that Jesus gave. Love God, love your fellow man. I think it's pretty simple, really, when you stop to look at it, but it's impossible without the spiritual drive of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's not within man to live righteously, the Bible says. By nature, we're selfish. By nature, I want it my way, not the way of God, not the way of my fellow man. And this is what real freedom is, is when we understand that we have a Father in heaven who wants to channel his blessings through you to others. Now, if you're not a Christian, you're looking for something that's going to funnel into you, and you, like a dam, just keep building and building and building, but you never let it go out into other people's lives. Well, that's what the Bible's talking. His commandments are not burdensome, but actually they're quite freeing, because I know what the parameters are that will keep my life from being destroyed. Now, do you think... There's a force at work in the world today that wants to destroy your life? Of course. This is what the devil does. And we've shared this before. The devil hates human beings. You've got to understand that. Anybody says, well, I'm not a Christian, so the devil's on my side. You are deceived. The devil hates humans. Why? The Bible says that God made humans a little lower than the angels. That doesn't bother the devil, doesn't bother demons. But then God said he's going to elevate human beings above the angels in so much that we will judge them someday, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And then it goes on and tells us that we will be God's bride. Never said that about any angel. And I imagine this first creation, now somebody might ask the question, well, why is it that God puts such an emphasis on us humans? Why isn't that be said for the angels. Because you're a unique person in that you've never seen the majesty of God. You've never seen God sitting on his throne. You've never seen the emerald rainbow above the throne of God. You've never seen the seraphim going up and down the throne saying, holy, holy, holy. And and all this whole complete angelic scene in heaven. No, we're like made out of dirt. The Bible says that. And we're down here on this earth, 
And occasionally we get a glimpse of lightning and and we, we hear the thunder. We occasionally see the majesty of the ocean and the beautiful trees and the mountains. But to have ever seen God in his full majesty, we've never seen that. Yet, by God's grace, you have chosen to love God. It's a love story, friends. You know how many love stories were based upon that very principle? That having never seen their betrothed chose to go with him? I don't know what's out there, but I'm going to go with you, God. I don't know what heaven's like, but I'm going to take a chance and say, okay, take me with me, take me to your kingdom. I like that. See, we never got to see all that. The angels have always been in the presence of God. They've always seen his fullness and his majesty. And by the way, for Satan and a third of the host of heaven to rebel against that was a pretty big thing to see all of God's full power and reject it. We, on the other hand, who have never seen God's great majesty, you might say, his full radiance, said, I will go with you. So the angels who saw his radiance rejected him. We who have never saw his radiance chose to embrace him and love him. That's why God's called you his bride. It's not some new story. It's all the way through the Bible. We remember Abraham wanted us a bride for his, for his son. And he said, I don't want a, a bride from the women around here. These are all messed up. Probably hung out too close to Hollywood or something. I don't know. But yeah, I don't want any women from around here. So he sends his servant back to his homeland. And he says, get my son a bride. And we remember the servant didn't know how to do this. So he said, Lord, the one that offers the water the camels, that's the one. He comes into town. He comes into town. The watering hole is there. This girl walks up and says, hey, can I water your camels? And the servant goes, that's the one. And he says, can I come to your house? I want to talk to you. And so he shares with her about his master's son. Now remember, she had never saw his son. All she heard was what the servant said about his master's son. Would you come? And she goes, okay. And she goes and becomes his son's bride. Same way with us. We've never seen the majesty of heaven. Yet God says, would you come and live with me forever? Well, what's it like there? Well, I prepared a place for you and I'll come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, though you'll be also in John 14. And we go, okay. We're willing to trade our life for what God has to offer us. His commandments are not burdensome. But they're freeing because his commandments, first of all, tell us who he is and tell us who we are. And if you don't know those two things in this life, you are a prey to the devil. If first, if you don't know who you are, do you know how much money Hollywood and Madison Avenue make on trying to tell people, who well, you're nobody unless you drive this. 
I'd love to take those people out into a wrecking yard and show them all of this in a few years. Doesn't make you anything. May make you broke. But it doesn't add to who you are. Life is not from the outside coming in, what you buy, what you drive, where you go, the friends you keep, the diplomas on the wall. Who you are comes from within us through Jesus Christ. He is the source of your identity. So that's the first thing. You have to know who you are if you're going to be an effective Christian in Christ. You have to know who you are. You're a child of his, bought by his blood, redeemed. You're the bride of Christ, and God gave up everything in heaven to come get you and me. I like that. The second thing we need to know is why we're still here. You need to know who you are and why you're here. Why are we here? Occupy space? No. To have as much as I can? No. We're here to love. And isn't that weird? He says, love God with your whole mind, soul, and spirit. Love your neighbor as yourself. When you love God, that gives you your identity. That's who you are. When you love your fellow man, that's your purpose for being here. That's why we're not all raptured the minute that we accept Christ. Anybody here this morning want to accept Christ as a Savior? I do. You know, church would stay very small. But God leaves us here for a reason to love. Okay, so he says, For whatever is born of God, verse 4, overcomes the world. Now, that means really victory over whatever it is that's in the world. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Wow. Now remember this. Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of your faith. The faith that you and me have is the faith that God gave us. And by the way, if you don't have enough faith, you better do some faith exercises. What to, what to, no, that's not what I mean. If you don't have enough faith, you go, Father, give me the faith to do that. Now, you're going to all be challenged with many different things through your life. We all are. But you're going to need different levels of faith to meet those requirements. But your faith always has a basis, and that basis is in Christ Jesus. He is the author and finisher of your faith. And by the way, the more you know of Jesus, the more he will build his faith in you. In my life, I have been through many, many things. I am really sometimes quite taken back when I am presented with a challenge, and I go, God, help! And God says, haven't I been faithful to you all your life? Yeah, I will be faithful to you this time as well. Never forget God's faithfulness to you through your life, how he's always gotten you through. The devil will try to make you forget that. You're out here all alone. No one cares. No one loves you. Better go eat some worms. Yeah. Tasty. Well, think about it for a minute. The devil wants you to think you're all alone. You're not. God's faith in you 
overcomes, destroys whatever it is in the world that would hinder you. He overcomes the world. Who is he that overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Now again, it all goes back to him. It's tied to who Christ is. He who believes is what's going to overcome the world. You're never going to overcome the world in yourself. And I see people who are not born again trying to do it. Well, just keep that stiff upper lip. Well, that ain't going to buy anything. Well, it's my friends that I have. By the way, don't you just love those uh, idea of friends? I thank God. You know, the Bible does talk about friends that stick closer than a brother that are there through no matter what trial it is. And if they're not there, when you go through something in your life, they were never your friends to begin with. They were looky-loos. And there's a lot of them. You've got to be careful of that. You will never know who your friends are until you go through the gates of hell. You'll never know. Think back when you were in school. Junior high, or excuse me, a junior in high school. That's about when everybody starts getting their car, you know. You got a car, you got a little bit of gas, you're everybody's friend. Let's all get in the bug. Back in my day, that was a cool thing, a Volkswagen bug. They used to have contests. How many people you could get into a Volkswagen bug? And they actually have pictures with the doors closed and faces smashed up against the glass and there's a foot right next to their face. And they would see how many people they could stick in a Volkswagen bug. That was cool. When you had a car and you had gas, you were everybody's friend. But boy, she'll have fun, fun, fun till daddy takes the T-bird away. No car? No gas? We'll find a new friend that has those things, and you're left all alone again. Friendship is a wonderful thing, but it's also very deceiving because I got a lot of friends. You don't know how many friends you have until you go through the trials of life. Trials of life reveal that. But we like to stay in blindness. We like to think that we're the most popular girl or the most popular guy. Yeah. And we do those things, and then when we do go through something very, very hard, everybody leaves. And you know, we find this all the way through the Bible. It happened to Jesus. Jesus at one point had 5,000 men following him. And Jesus made a remark. He said, unless you eat my body, drink my blood, you have no part of me. And the Bible says they all left. We don't know how many women and children were there, but 5,000 men, they all left. And Jesus looked at his disciples and said, are you going to leave also? And Peter said, where else would we go? You have the words of eternal life. I like that. I think Peter wasn't exactly sure. You know, I, I don't know where else we'd go. You have the words of eternal life. I guess we're staying here. 5,000 one minute, 12 the next. That's the way friendship is sometimes. But those that stick close to you, those are your friends. And you might now never know who your friends are until you have to go through real, real trouble and trials in your life. But always remember, when you believe in Jesus, that links the power of God, your faith, to what God has called you to do. Verse 6. This is he who came by water 
and by blood, Jesus Christ. He says, not only by water, but by water and blood. And this is the Spirit that bears witness because the Spirit is truth. You know, there's a lot of commentaries on this particular verse. What does it mean? But we know Jesus did come by baptism of water. We remember that he went and met with John the Baptist along the shore there. And, and uh, John says, I shouldn't be being baptized. You need to baptize me. And John, Jesus said, suffer it to be. This is the way it's supposed to be. And when he came up out of the water, there was a voice from heaven. This is my beloved son. And began Jesus's earthly ministry. Now, what is, I think, really important here is he also says baptized by uh, again, water and by blood. That's a weird statement because where do we find that? Well, it's interesting, and I'll just read it to you real quick. You don't need to turn there unless you would like to, but it's in the book of Mark, chapter 10, and I'm just going to read this, and this is something that ties this to what Jesus said. He said, then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, by the way, they were called sons of thunder, came to him saying, teacher, we want you to do whatever we ask. And by the way, moms and dads, if you ever have your kids, if you ever have your kids uh, do this, I, I can't believe this is something little kids do, not adults. Two of Jesus' disciples come to him and say, Jesus, whatever we ask, that we want you to do. That's like, like I say, that's something like, like an eight-year-old kid. Daddy, whatever I want, will you give it to me? Well, what is it that you want? Well, I want a new Harley. No, sorry, I can't have one. But he said, whatever we ask, we want you to do. And, and, and so, what do you want me to do for you, Jesus said. And they said to him, grant us that we may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left hand in your glory. But Jesus said, now here's what we're doing to get to this. Can you, he says, you do not know what you ask. Now here it is. Can you drink that that I drink? And here it is. Be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. And they said to him, we can. And Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink the cup that I drink. And the baptism that I am baptized with, you will be baptized. But to sit on my right hand or on my left Well, he goes on, and the point is is this. He said to them, are you willing, can you be baptized with what I'm, Jesus had already been baptized in the water. The disciples had already been baptized. So there was another baptism that Jesus was speaking of, and that baptism was blood. That was that of the cross. And by the way, he said, are you willing to do that? And they said, oh, yes, they are. And by the way, as you read in Fox's Book of Martyrs, you see how the the, uh, early church fathers and the disciples died. Pretty amazing, really. The one thing you'll never find in Fox's Book of Martyrs is how the Pharisees died. They didn't. They're still here. Well, he says this. And the Spirit bears witness because the Spirit is truth. Jesus was baptized with water and by blood when he died on the cross for us. Thanks for joining us on It's Time. 
as Pastor Mike teaches verse-by-verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening. And tune in next time for It's Time.